0: Welcome to Ticker Your Points, the show that discusses all to do with Ulster GA. This week's guests are former Trone player Jodie Gormley and the Giddick Life columnist Cahill Carval. Okay, gents, well, let's get started with the uh, chat about Division 1 first. So, Jodie, we've had a lot of big games so far, but I want to know what you think of how Trone have got on so far in Division 1.
1: Yeah, I think it has been a big change in, in Trone with, um, with Fergal and Brian coming in as management. Um, you can certainly see that they're attempting to play a more direct brand of football um, probably less emphasis on, on retaining possession, but getting the ball earlier into the forward line. Um, I think obviously with the lockdown, they haven't really had that much time to work on it, but there's certainly signs that uh, you know, Throne could, could have a promising enough championship, albeit a knockout. so they don't have much room for error. That's right.
0: Carl, what have you thought of Throne? You know, the, 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 um, there was a lot of talk about them beforehand, and then there was also a lot of talk about Armagh, but do you think that they lived up to their expectations
2: Um, I think everyone was just glad to see Tyrone and Armagh and Donegal all back playing football as much as um, I was. Uh, With the change of management with Tyrone I think there was massive expectations, but I think it was a bit like Arsene Wenger when he left Arsenal, the thought that everything was going to be great once Mickey Hart turned over, and it maybe hasn't just turned out exactly like that. One thing which is quite peculiar, and I just haven't figured it out myself, is why they have Conor McKenna in the full forward line. You know his direct brand of football in the forty-five, and you know he may even further back. He was brilliant, in his first year back from the AFL and I think that's a natural position coming onto the ball is the position for him so maybe I'm obviously not seeing training and maybe uh, Brian Fergal see something different but that's one, one area which I've been scratching my head at but certainly they have the footballers um, I, I don't know if uh, Derek Yadavan if he's going to be the, the second coming of God as Joe Raleigh likes to refer to but I think he has um, shown in glimpses what he's capable of doing um, but Pat Spillane once said I prefer a, a, a good big footballer as opposed To a good wee footballer, so uh, I don't know come championship time whether he he will fulfil his promise, but certainly it's an exciting time in in Tyrone football. Uh, They were very good in patches against Armagh, and you know, I think they're one of the teams that will be there or thereabouts uh, come the end of the championship.
0: Judy, obviously, you're from Tyrone. What did you think about the changeover of a management like you know, whenever you lose a man of that sort of stature?
1: Well, I mean, Mickey's record speaks for itself. But I think it was time for a change and I think it was, you know, you could argue that maybe he should have got another year given the circumstances, but I think there are, it's important to make a change whenever you have a good group of players together so that it's not just, I suppose, like an Alex Ferguson scenario where, you know, the bottom falls out of the bucket and then you make a change. I think there, there are good players and I think you can already see signs of what, you know, what the new management are trying to do. I think it's been very positive, Peter Hart moving into the half-back lane. Um, certainly the last couple of games, I think he's shown more of what he's capable of doing. Uh, With regard to Cahill's point about McKenna, I think, we really don't know what's happening with regard to how well-conditioned players are. Certainly when he came back from Australia, he seemed to be in fairly good condition. We don't know, is he at that level again? Um, And then there's the Cahill McShane thing, like, Know how serious is his injury and how far on the road to recovery is he? So I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, I wouldn't be critical of the of the management at all. I mean, obviously being from Tyrone, it's easy to say that, but I would be supportive. You know, if we look at Armagh, you could argue they're seven years down the line, Tyrone are maybe a couple of months down the line. So I think there are a lot of positives, and you know, I think Tyrone will be in the mix. Without a doubt.
0: What about the pressure from Tron? You know, the Trone fans are passionate, so, you know, do, uh, well, there's an expectation there.
1: Paddy O'Shea summed it up a few years ago, didn't he, about, about the Kerry animal. I think the Throne animal would be something similar. You know, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, there'll be a fairly polarised view already, I would imagine, you know, in different quarters. If you, if you look at social media, there are supporters and there are, are people that are are very critical. But that's I suppose that's the beauty of the GAA, isn't it? This gives everybody a, a forum and an opportunity to express an opinion, whether it's valid or not.
0: Well, how do you think to her, you know, and Logan will deal with that sort of pressure?
1: They're both highly accomplished men in their own sort of professional lives and obviously Brian, you know, left to the Sam McGuire himself. I don't think it'll, it'll be a big problem. They would have been fully aware of, of what they were getting involved in. They would have been aware of the fact that their head's on the block sort of thing. Uh, and they have a good knowledge of the players in Toronto, you know, having taken on the 21 to Ireland a couple of years ago. They'll have that sort of belief in the players. And suppose Mickey sort of came from that background of success as well. It's hard to beat a bit of success to fall back on when times are hard, you know, and the young players are, I think the young players are there. Obviously there are questions and personally, I like a knockout championship, uh, it, it'll have different critics, but I think it's good. I think it just, everything's out in the open, sit away, you just have to go for it. And I think it's great for supporters and I think it's, it'll, we'll find out very quickly if, if younger players, the likes of, of Dara, if he's up to it. And I, I mean, I've seen him play school football and my suspicion would be that he most certainly is up for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the Jody Sanders by Armab seven years down the line. What, what do you? What did you read into the Armagh performances so far in the league?
2: From where I suppose they were and coming up into uh, Division One, and to be fair, a lot of people thought they were going to be potentially the weapon boys when they went up, and it is a big leap, something similar to Antrim and the, the Hurlan when you take that step up to Division One. Every Sunday is a battle, and you know there's no easy games. But I thought they have acquitted qu- themselves very well. It was just unfortunate with the number of injuries that they picked up, and I think this is a, a theme throughout uh, the, the various leagues and coming back after lockdown, and it. Was flagged early that um, you know coming into the the league games when you're not used to that full impact that bodies are going to creak a wee bit and I think Ian Focker is probably the the biggest loss from a, an Armor perspective but I, I did hear that there's six hamstring injuries from um, various players in the Armagh setup uh, as a result of coming back and maybe that's the style of play there's a lot of hard running and I think um, you know certainly towards the end against Donegal they ran out of steam a wee bit and and, and Throne as well and that hard running game is very difficult to maintain you know for 70 and you know 80 minutes now with the amount of extra time that's being played so that's sort of maybe a bit of an issue when it comes to the injuries but um no the O'Neill brothers have been very very good Rean maybe just hasn't discovered the formula they had last year but uh, oshin has been really really impressive and I think he's got a big summer ahead of him and you know if we can keep them boys ticking over and what they've been doing over the past couple of years and you know for cross in the actual um senior football in Armagh, they've been you know earmarked as special players for uh, a long time and i think um you know this year certainly with austin he's shown what he can do and then rian i think will come back into form come championship time so i think it is bright a uh, bright future in terms of Armagh but this is not you know the first season second season under Maghini he's been there a long time and if they don't start producing something in terms of maybe getting to an Ulster final or maybe winning an Ulster there certainly will be question marks because there's a lot of resources going in there and obviously with the disruption with Covid etc but you can't excuse that when you're seven years down the line you want to see playing Division 1 football is great but you want to see something a wee bit more and that's obviously what everyone's striving for in Ulster but uh, there's a bit more pressure are on now given the good performances that they have put in
0: Jodie what did you take from that you know the injury issue
1: and yeah I agree totally with Cal and I think the ground has been very hard um, and teams have come in and whilst you could argue that's not a championship pace and maybe teams are holding back I'm not so sure players are they've been sort of out of football for a while more than, than normal and they're coming back in and they've probably done a lot of conditioning on the, you know by themselves non contact straight-line running or, or whatever sort of stuff they've been doing, but the ground is very hard and it's very fast, and most teams now are playing, as Kehala said, a hard-running game, and it does take its toll, and, you know, there's no doubt, even I say at a club level, the number of players who are picking up hamstring injuries that probably for a number of years, you wouldn't have really have seen that many players cause, because it would have been well-conditioned over a longer period of time, but now they're straight in, and it's 100-mile-an-hour football. Um, so the window was fairly small, but I suppose this needs must, you know, and, and, and how do you tell players to take it easy once they go onto a pitch? You know, it's, they're fighting for a position. Um, I think Armagh, the big question mark over Armagh, I think, remains from last year. You know, they've played well for maybe 60 minutes in the game. And then it's the last 10 minutes, whether it's fitness or whether it's, you know, a mental attitude or whatever. They seem to just get caught a wee bit at the end. And I think if they can overcome that sort of last 10 minutes hurdle, I think there could be a formidable challenge. Um, they certainly were, they put up a good battle against Tyrone. So, and I think there are a number of players that maybe don't get the credit. The likes of uh, Jamar Hall works exceptionally hard and he's good at closing down you know, some of the, the marquee players. The likes of Ren McHugh didn't get much change really out of him. So I think he's somebody that will come under the, under the radar. Uh, but I do agree, if Stefan Farker doesn't make championship, he's a massive loss. Because obviously he can play full back or full forward. I mean, it's my understanding he's probably one of the most prolific forwards in Armagh at the minute. So, you know, it's great to have a player like that, but you need him on the pitch similar, to, I suppose, to, to Michael Murphy and Donegal. Our like, Armada, are the same team, without, without forker at the minute, the way he's playing, he is, he's not the captain, but he's probably the leader, you know, mentally and physically. You
0: mentioned Donegal. Do, do you want to uh, just get your thoughts on Donegal there? It's the, uh, scary to see Michael Murphy on the sideline, but what have you thought of them in general?
1: I, I think they may be suffering a bit of a hangover from last year. You know, they were a formidable force and everybody was speaking about them before the Cavan game. Nobody gave Cavan a prayer. And I think that has rocked them a wee bit. It has possibly dented their confidence and possibly other teams aren't as afraid of maybe Donegal as they were. I mean, they're, they're a significant team and be, there's no doubt they'll be hard to beat. But without Murphy, I don't think they carry the same threat. And there's absolutely no doubt they're not as forceful or as direct without him. Uh, he's a massive player and has been for, for a number of reasons. And it's, it's disappointing because, at this, you know, against Tyrone he was. I thought he was, he was exceptional. And he's he's almost unmarkable on this day, and it just it looked like he was hitting top gear again. I mean, what is he? It must be thirty anyway, is he? Around, around that mark, like so. You know, how many more years will we have? I mean, he's a great player to watch, even as it's her own supporter. I mean, you like it You want to see the best players playing, like you know? And, and Murphy's up there, like with, with the all-time best players.
0: Hmm. Cal, what do you, what do you think? Are you think that um, Donegal are in trouble now that Murphy might not be in the mix, or do you think that they have? Uh, or
2: well I think any team would be in trouble without mm-hmm. Michael Murphy but what I when when I, I saw that he had been injured I was thinking there's a man who's never injured like think of down through, through the years the past decade When how many championship matches has he missed and even going back to when he was playing um, in Letterkenny uh, you know as a 16 17 year old he was frightening he was a man child back then you know and he was never injured again and um, you know he's played the whole way through and there's a lot of miles on, on the clock and uh, but at the end of the day, he's a talisman. He drives that Donegal team. Like, I was talking to a couple of the the, the players I'd be friendly with that, um, you know, played with him under Jim McGuinness. And when he was made captain, there was maybe a few eyebrows raised outside of Donegal. But the guys that um, played with him, the likes of Declan Walsh, he was the man that was driving the trainings, he was the man that was driving the hard run. he was the man that was driving the older players um, to be better at that age, and he's been the driving force behind Donegal since then. So without him, I think Donegal will definitely have lost that fear factor in terms of other teams coming across them. and we need to think about Murphy. Obviously, they've got really, you know, exceptional players outside of him, like Paddy McBrady. He certainly took up the mantle against Armagh, and when, you know, the backs were against the wall, everyone looked to him and he did come up trumps, but he can be found out in games and uh, um, snuffed out by some of the, the top teams. I think Donegal are going to be a force, uh, Owen Bond-Gallar coming back as well, starting to get to that form, Owen is coming back in you know, after his year out. They have a lot of quality players there. but. Without Murphy to link all that together, are they a threat to the big, big teams? I thought last year in the Ulster Championship against Calvin, it seemed like he needed a bit of a break, I sort of thought. So, maybe this might um, be a blessing in disguise. But uh, Donegal, certainly no team will want to draw them um, you know, later on in the Championship. But I think the big, big teams, the likes of the Dublins, Kerry, Tyrones and even Derry now, I don't think they'll fail. them.
0: Uh, the other Division One team was Monaghan, who had a funny sort of uh, um, campaign in, in their, their first three games. Like you know, they didn't look good, and then they looked good. And what did you what did you take from there?
2: You know, I know the Monaghan boys quite well. Um, just living beside them I suppose and I think there they aren't a team that are in transition and sometimes when I talk about one I think they've been in transition for you know four or five years at this stage but um, like um they have the ability to light up the championship like uh, McCarthy his hat-trick in the first half against Donegal you know it was one goal was better than the other and they do have with the Hughes brothers you know a real good engine in the team but I just I predicted actually that um, last year they would uh, wipe the floor with Calvin in the in the uh, Championship uh, but obviously that didn't um, happen, it was obviously a drawn game after full time but I think Monaghan will be there or thereabouts, again a tough team to beat but you know in the business end of the season I just think uh, they maybe are lacking that bit of quality that some of the other teams with the likes of Throne and maybe even Armagh now um, have uh, But uh, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe the league, given the changes with COVID etc and the ban with uh, Bonte etc, you know that might have impacted them more than uh, we know about but come Championship time obviously they'll be a, they'll be a tough team to beat but uh, I just don't think they lack that bit of quality.
0: Okay, it sometimes it feels like Monaghan, they, uh, they lose the games you expect them to win and then they win the games you expect them to lose. What have you thought? Have you, that you yeah. share those opinions? Well,
1: certainly last year, I suppose everybody was tipping them to beat Cavan, but, you know, not, not to go off Monaghan, but I mean, Cavan are a real dog, if you pardon the expression. You know, they just don't go away. And I would still think there's a kick left in them when they get, you know, everybody back fit. And again, we don't know how teams' preparation has been going with regard to the lockdown and COVID. And, you know, some teams have been training better than others. So, you know, but Monaghan, I think maybe they're still a wee bit dependent upon McManus when it comes to the big day and he's fairly high miles now and he's, he's an outstanding performer, obviously a proven record, but I still think they need him and it's OK scoring hat-tricks and all the rest in National League matches, but it's also charms at something different. You know, if we get a bit of a crowd in the games or whatever, that's when, you, know, when you really find out about players. Um, Manon, I would agree with Cajal, they probably missed a chance you know, against Tyrone in the semi-final. I think that was their, that was their time um, and Tyrone just got over the line that day. Um, the Hughes have been around a long time too, you know, you still have the, the backbone of the team but haven't really managed to achieve, whereas Cavan have come out of nowhere and I'm sure that's a sore point with them now, Cavan won the Ulster title last year and they'll, they'll remind them of it. So, I mean, you wouldn't want to draw them but you would fancy them more than, I mean, I think Armagh have probably stepped ahead of them now, but then it's easy sitting talking in the studio. Indeed, <laughs> indeed it is.
0: Moving away from Division 1, uh, what about the other Ulster teams, Jodie, that have been playing this year? Was there anybody stood out in particular for you? I know you've well, managed your interim, but is there anybody else or anybody at all? Well, I think Derry,
1: I wouldn't say they've come out of nowhere, but I think they've really caught my eye. You know, and not that there would be any great Derry family, <laughs> historically, <laughs> but, but you'd have to appreciate what they're doing. And certainly, you know, Rory Gallagher has, has stepped them up this year. From talking to boys, I think Conor Lass has had a, had a positive impact as suppose as he's bringing his know-how back from professional sport. And he certainly he's, seems to be playing at the level that he was a couple of years ago before he left. I mean, obviously it's taken him a while, but, you know, it seems now that he, he's, he seems to be a driving force. And you've got the Slap nail boys still there who, you know, have plenty of know-how. I think they'll, you know, I mean, the Ulster Championship is in a very healthy position at the minute. And it's certainly, you know... Um, Shane McGuigan. I mean, there's, another, there's a number of players there that that can step up and, and can hold their own. Again, we don't know how they'll compete against the Division One teams, but I think they'll be the add to the, to the occasion when it comes. Were you surprised with Derry, Cow?
2: Not really, to be honest with you, because Rory Gallagher, knowing his sort of background and knowing the, the level of preparation he puts into a team and the level of commitment he demands from a team, Um, I think last year against Armagh, it was certainly a sore point for them when they were beaten up there, but uh, he's gone away and, you know, the guys have done a lot of work during lockdown and you can see the teams that um, have really put in the effort. Like the likes of Down and Fermanagh are a wee bit behind and I just, Obviously, with the bond with Polly Talley, I don't know how that's impacted downs preparations. But certainly, Derry have been going full steam ahead during lockdown. The players have obviously taken individual ownership of uh, their fitness, and they're coming out and they're specimens of men. Like you know, they really have put a bit of, put a lot of work in. Whereas in years gone by, some of the you know maybe it's a softer underbelly of the Derry team and I think they've put a bit, added a bit of steel to that and Rory Gallagher's come in with his know-how and you know, added to that fitness and they've always a good footballers, like, there's no doubt about it but I think Derry have certainly been the most impressive team, probably and one of the most improved teams in the country I would say at this stage.
0: Any other teams, Cal, that have stood out from, you know, other than the ones we spoke about? Any uh, surprise? I'm not saying good or or bad.
2: Well, I wouldn't call it a surprise, but I've a soft spot for Antrim, and, you know, um, Paddy Cunningham was in here with us a few... um, a number of months ago and you know it's just great to see him and he maybe gives a bit of hope to the old boys um, still playing (laughs) um, but at 36 or 7 to be able to come on and one of the the guys described as a left foot that would open a bean can you know and uh, some of the scores I think it was especially um, against Sligo when he hit that one on the outside of the the boot again in Fortress Corrigan Park uh, the new Galatasaray home for uh, Antrim (laughs) uh, you know they've been really impressive and I've enjoyed watching them to be fair and it'd be great to see them uh, getting out of that division and making those improvements. There's a lot of effort going into um, football on hurling uh, within Antrim and within Belfast, especially. So, you know, I, I've enjoyed watching them. I haven't enjoyed watching down at all. I don't know where they are. Like, they've great teams, the likes of Kilcoo and Burn and, you know, Mayo Bridge, the very celebrated club teams. but I just, they haven't been able to put it together. And obviously the ban and COVID and all of that disruption didn't help their preparation. And I think they're, you know, a couple of months behind some of the other teams. So, and Fermana as well, I just don't know where the McManaman project is going over there. Fermanagh obviously have a small pool, etc. But with some of the guys that have left uh, the team in the likes of Ryan Jones, Tomas Cargan. I would question, you know, why Fermanagh can't get those players uh, out playing. Obviously, it's a choice for an individual, but Fermanagh need uh, all of their best players out to, to compete. And you know, I just I would fear for both those teams come championship time.
0: Do you share those sentiments, Judy, or what do you think? What do you think of the uh, likes of Fermanagh and Donegal? Yeah,
1: uh, if we go back to Derry first, Ron, I think you know Derry. You could draw parallels with Derry um, to Donegal really before. The Jim McGuinness era, they've plenty of good footballers there. The the players who've won, you know, Mercury um, Cup medals, have won Hogan Cup medals, you know, they've won Slack Neil. You know, they've a lot of very accomplished footballers, very good footballers, and maybe Rory now has has happened to, to pull them all together, um, and they could be they could be formidable. Like um, with regard to Down, I suppose Down are probably lacking experience. You know, they, they don't have any established really established players, some of their older players, the the likes of Kevin McCarron has been there a long time now, Jared McGovern's come back in, but they're they're lacking sort of experience through the team, you know, that that maybe some of the other counties have to to fall back on to help younger players, so they're really in it, and and Paddy Talley has identified that as, as a problem, so they're bringing a lot of young players in at the one time and they've nobody really to turn to, they've no real anchor in the team to, to guide the younger players on, I think that's, that's a challenge and it's going to be an ongoing challenge for them. Um, with regard to Fermanagh, yeah, you mean, you'd mean you have to question why players don't want to play and again, it, it's easy when you're outside of the, the county and you're outside the fold, it's only supposition or whatever but, you know, there, there's, there's challenges there for Racy, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm.
0: I wanted to move on to talk about attacking football. So, because you're talking about Derry and Derry now, the powerhouse of attacking in Ulster football, what what do you think about the you know Brawley in our paper has spoke about how he thinks that the defensive football is gone now, and teams are embracing this attacking football. And if Roy Gallagher's doing it, then everybody should start. Everybody should start doing it. Do you think we're in a situation now where we're going to move away from defensive football, or is this just a you know is the is the test case is too small
1: or I agree with you, the test case probably is too small. There's no doubt, I think football has changed and it has been changing slowly over this past number of years. I think teams now are pressing higher on the kick out. They're putting more pressure, you know, to stop the attack at source, rather than allowing and um, conceding the kick out. And I think that's made a big difference. Uh, teams realise that, I suppose, particularly some of the Division 1 teams realise, if you're going to compete with Dublin, I mean, you have to have a more attacking game. It's not just good enough to set up defensively because Dublin have that not cracked now. So Dublin have almost forced the change and that teams are thinking, well, if for us to compete, we have to have more than just a strong defensive system. But I still think that when it comes to the Ulster Championship, teams aren't just going to go gung ho. You know, I know Armagh did a few years ago, uh, I think it was under Paul Grimley, where they said, we don't like defensive football. We're just going to go man to man and you're going to get caught out. It's, football is, is it's set up still now, to, I think, to encourage more scores with the forward mark. So I think there's going to be a balance. Teams will probably press high for the most part, but will get bodies back. And players are, despite the fact that a number of players are picking up injuries, players are highly conditioned now and they're, and they're able to get up and down the pitch. So they'll press high, but I still think they'll get back and, and do their defensive duties. They'll not just say, right, we'll, we'll try and outshoot them. I mean, you can even see Carrier are, are trying to develop a defensive system. And I think if they do, if they and maybe the time may be against them, but if they do, I think they're probably going to be the main contenders, you know, to face Dublin. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't think it's, I don't think we've seen the back of of his own defence by any sense of imagination. So it's too
0: simplistic to say then that the attacking football going. You're saying then that really what we're getting seeing is a development of football into having more systems, more you know, nuance to people's teams. Yeah, it's a, a, it? a
1: sort of an organic development, a sort of driven by the need to to figure out how to beat Dublin. And teams are of the realisation that you're not going to beat them just setting up defensively. Yeah. You know, you maybe keep the margin of defeat down, but that's about it. So I think it's an, it certainly has encouraged teams to, to, to be more forward-looking and, and to figure out how to get the ball from the defence to attack faster. Uh, so that'll encourage more kicking. I suppose the forward mark, whilst it's much maligned, I think it's, it probably has encouraged that you know, there's a benefit now to a forward getting the, the long ball. And you can certainly see, I think, from Tyrone's play this year, it looks like Tyrone are certainly trying to get the ball into into forwards and the likes of Darren Macquarie is benefiting from that. And if you had Cahill McShane in there beside him, I think it would... I mean, I think it would further develop that type of game within Tyrone, but also within other teams. Cahill, do you is that sort of agree with that sort of sentiment? Uh...
2: Well, I don't agree with the forward mark first. I think it's an abomination of um, Gaelic football, but... Um, I don't know I wouldn't be a fan of all these tinkering and changes to the the rules um like football, like anything, you know, is organic, it's got to change, it's nearly like the seasons, you know, one season it could be defensive, and then the likes of Dublin with their play, not, not that they play defensive, but they play man-on-man type of uh, defending, but if you see the, the runners coming from, like uh, the, the against Kerry, they always had a Dublin player with them the whole time, so they weren't creating that overlap, so it's a slight nuance to the just standing back and marking space that other teams uh, have, and the likes of Fermanagh have been adopting, because you mark space instead of the man, you're going to get cut open, and that's what's, you know, been happening to some of the teams that aren't or are maybe less developed in terms of that defensive um, system. But I think also, you know, it's a bit like, um, you know, when the, the cattle get out of the shed come springtime, they, they're running down the field and the legs being kicked in the air. Because I think everyone's just been so glad to get back out to be playing football. There is that bit of adventure and a bit of joy and a bit of fun in in terms of the football, and maybe they're trying things that they would. not have previously tried and why not you know that's what football is all about expression and we don't like these our games where there's you know nine points to ten points or whatever you know we want to see that type of expression but I agree with uh, Jody, come Ulster Championship time the stakes will go right through the roof and some of the players and some of the teams will revert back to type I think and won't be as you know adventurous or um, expressive because they'll be concerned about that criticism what if I make a mistake that's gonna lead to X Y and Z and I think the teams that will ultimately succeed this summer are the teams that throw those us off and say no we're good enough i back myself i back the mom beside me i back um my team to go and play football to express ourselves to show our skills and those teams that you know go back into their shell will ultimately be found wanting i think
0: yeah yeah so just moving on uh because you're in of obviously a teacher i wanted to ask you about what you thought of how kids are handling uh, not being able to play this year so we've had a whole year of kids not being able to play any colleges football and what sort of that effect that's
1: been having on them, as Kyle said, they certainly the kids were certainly like uh, like cattle kept in for the winter. Like you know, I mean, I know in the Abbey, we're we're playing every day with the kids out on the pitches, and, and they're just loving it. You can see the smiles on their faces. Uh, it's great. To, you know, you would question what what was the great need to to stop sport. I mean, it has been highlighted in different forms of media, and I would certainly support that view that I mean, it, it hasn't helped kids to, to keep them locked up, as it were. Um, I think, in terms of their development in football, they've probably the only saving grace is that it's been the same for everybody. So no one has none of the kids have had the opportunity to develop. But certainly, I think schools football is very important. You know, it gives kids the opportunity to play against uh, lads from other schools. You know, from other counties, and the better players will be playing against those fellas at county level all the way through, sort of minor under 20 or whatever grade it happens to be uh, at the time and senior football. So, they gain a lot of experience and it can help them develop their confidence and self-esteem. Uh, so, I think they've, they've missed out on that and if you're one of the schools that have had probably one of your better teams, you've missed out on an opportunity maybe to compete for, for Macquarie Cup honours. You know, I know last year it was shared between Maharans and Coleman's but it was, I'm sure it was a big disappointment for those lads. You know, the pinnacle of their school football career and they worked so hard to get there and they didn't get the opportunity. You know, and, and the same this year. You know, we've lads who have won a couple of Ulster titles, and they would have felt that they would have been competing with the likes of St Colmans and and Mahara this year, and they didn't get the opportunity, so it's a disappointment. But I suppose in the grander scheme of things, life goes on, and they're back playing football now, and they're back playing for their clubs. So it's, you know, it's it's really onwards and upwards, really.
0: Calgary, you played colleges. Did you? How did you? How would you have felt? that you had kind of?
2: Oh, I'd have been downstairs. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Like. When I think back to my year in 2005, um, Kilkeel beat us in the semi-final Great Marty Clark um, scored a goal and broke her hearts down in and I'll remember it vividly, and I should have had a penalty before that, but we'll just not go there uh, today. But uh, you know, these are memories that you, you keep for the rest of your life, um, and the friendships you make in McCrory and McLaren football, and um, you, you, they always stick, stick with you. And um, you know, I even was watching Sean Calvin and Loughran Gale um, a couple of months ago when they were in 2000, the last time some. Armagh won the McCrory and the goal he scored, and talked about that was the pinnacle of his life up to that point, you know. So, and he would put it up there with his All Ireland win. So, it's a special year, and you know, I really my heart does go out to those players that didn't get to experience that. But as Jodie says, life goes on, you're back playing, you're fit, and you're healthy, and that's the main thing. I just question the sense in terms of the powers that be that took that away from those players and the amount of effort that would have been put into it. I just don't understand, but you know, that's a conversation. For another day, but certainly, you know, you you look back fondly like your school years. In my opinion, are the best years of your life, and not to get to play um, at the pinnacle with your teammates and your friends, it's very very disappointing for the the players. But they need to just refocus and you know look to the club and life goes on, as you say. But uh, yeah, disappointing for the for the lads.
0: Just finally uh, to wrap it up, I wanted to talk talk about Antrim. Um, uh, the Antrim herders. Um what did you think of their performance there against Wexford at Gal Tassaray's ground were you surprised or shocked or did you expect that performance
2: oh I know uh, on social media Don Logue was getting a lot of messages and uh, quotes and that uh, his comment after the uh, Joe McDonough final last year was continually being replayed but to be fair to him I think he was right at the time now and similar to Derry I think Gleason's got the, the Antrim guys and he's taken them away and during lockdown they've done a lot of work the first day out against Clare I think that was an ideal start for them the way Clare's preparation and all of the murmurs and the talk around uh, what's happening in the county and that trip up from Ennis you know it's uh, I've done it myself going the other way um, but it's a serious trip coming up to Galatasaray is always going to be difficult and to be fair to Antrim they outplayed them and they deserved their win they backed it up to an extent, against Kilkenny and played very well. It was hard to keep the momentum going for three weeks in a row against Dublin. And Dublin are a very strong team, and with the likes of Liam Rush coming back in at six, they're playing very well. You know, they're they're a strong outfit. But the you know the the litmus test was against Wexford, back up in Belfast. Um, Waxford had been, you know, flattering to deceive to an extent, but uh, you know, with the, uh, and I know a couple of guys that were at the match. You know, with the fans back, there was a real carnival atmosphere. The weather was great, and they put on a brilliant performance. Now, if Lee Chin had uh, had his shooting boots on, he you know, was with four points he missed in the second half towards the end of the game, which is uncharacteristic. But at the end of the day, you know, some of the play from the likes of McManus when he, he, he flicked that uh, pass for the goal. You know, if it was Joe Canning did it. You'll be eulogising about it for the next decade, but uh, and then the point at the end, you know, the 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 balls of steel from the Antrim boys to, to put it over at the end, you know, was brilliant to see. And it'll it, what I like about it, you know, that momentum that's building in Antrim, man, in Belfast, and like St John and those clubs, you know, where guys are uh, taking the stick out and they want to, you know, uh, play like McNaughton or um, you know they, they want to play like their heroes that they now get to see in Corrigan Park. So that can only be a good thing for Antrim. Harbour. And with a game to go, if you were to say to me, you know, Antrim will be safe in Division One, I would have been shocked. But at the end of the day, fair play to them.
0: And Judy, just final point: What do you think the, the a good performance from Antrim hurlers
1: means for the county of Antrim? Like you know,
0: I think it's very important,
1: not just for hurling but for for the GA in Antrim. I mean, there's a there's a lot of work been put into into football and hurling, and you know, with with the population, I think it's important that. People have something to support and aspire towards. I mean, the term sleeping giant has been bandied around for a long time, but the results that, that Antrim have, have produced so far, I mean, certainly would, would suggest that the giant is certainly is certainly starting to stick his head up a wee bit. You know, if we could just get Casman Park sorted out, I think uh, they could get onto onto a bit of a roll. Big time. So thanks for coming in, Judy. Um
0: Kyle, thanks for coming in.
1: Thanks a lot, Ron. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ron. All the best.